0: I'm Rob, and I'm Nate, and welcome back to Nate tricks Rob into watching another Billy, Billy Wilder film.
1: Yes, it is week four of Sherlock Holmes month, or week five of Billy Wilder month, as we watch the 1970 Billy Wilder directed film, "The Private Lives of Sherlock," the private life of Sherlock Holmes. So you count into this? Now let me just oh.
0: say, I, I should not. I am not complaining as while I okay. joke about it. I am not complaining about being watching another Billy mm. Wilder film they've all been enjoyable mm. including this one so indeed yeah
1: so you came into this knowing the title and that's yes. billy wilder and at that's this
0: point it. when you are picking if i don't already know very much about it i'm intentionally trying to come into it pretty well blind mm-hmm. probably wise i i there were several times i considered pulling it up on imdb mm. but it probably wouldn't have been very effective because i kept screwing up the name anyway so yeah mm. yeah
1: So this uh, film, as mentioned, uh, is directed by Billy Wilder. It's co-written by him and his writing partner at the time, I.A.L. Diamond. Uh Uh, The film came out in 1970. It is shot uh, in England and Scotland, uh, which is where it is set. It is a revisionist take on Sherlock Holmes, uh, not unlike, in a number of ways, our selection last week, The 7% Solution. When casting this film, one of the actors that Billy Wilder considered for the role was Nicole Williamson, who went on to play Sherlock Holmes in The 7% Solution. Yeah. Uh, also considered was Peter O'Toole, which would have been interesting. Yeah. And not really considered by Wilder, but who had sought Wilder out asking for the role, was Rex Harrison. Remind me
0: what my, Rex, Rex my Harrison's name. Oh, okay.
1: Dr. Doolittle. Yeah. But uh, Wilder didn't think he was right for what he wanted to go for in this film. The actor who plays our Sherlock Holmes, Robert Stevens, is really good in it, as is the actor who plays our Dr. Watson, Colin Blakely. Neither of them big stars.
0: Can I look at both of them and
1: see? Yeah, there was. I I glanced at it, and there was very little. Robert oh, Colin Blakely was
0: in *The Murder on the Orient
1: Express*, yeah, but it was is
0: a, is a kind of a bit part.
1: Yeah, he's in *A Man for All Seasons*, which was an Oscar winner. Robert Stevens was in *Cleopatra*, the 1968 *Romeo and Juliet*, and a *Henry V*. So, very British actor. Mm, yeah, very appropriate for the for the film. He has the right look. He has the right bearing, as does our Watson. Did Robert Stevenson's
0: appearance remind you of other? Sherlock Holmes.
1: Well, he's he's almost like a picture book Sherlock Holmes. Uh, I had mentioned last week that I thought Nicole Williamson was kind of like the iconic Sherlock Holmes. But this guy may be even more iconic. He reminded me bearing. actually a
0: little bit of Benedict Cumberbatch, yeah.
1: and and a little bit of Basil Rathbone too.
0: Uh, more the Kenne- uh, Benedict mm-hmm. Cumberbatch, mm-hmm. but yeah,
1: yeah. So the the plot of this film is well, we should probably talk a little bit about kind of where this film came from, and the title, Private Life of Sherlock Holmes, indicates where Wilder and Diamond were kind of originally wanting to concentrate the storyline on, which is not necessarily the mystery element, but more exploring elements of the character that hadn't been plumbed very much up until that time. Uh, Wilder would go on to say he regretted not being more overt in what he wanted to make the film about, which is about Holmes as a repressed homosexual which is an element that comes up in the film, though they it don't completely
0: commit to it. And almost is and discarded. And is dismissed,
1: yeah. yeah. And so Wilder thought he should have stuck to his guns more and made that part of the thing. And, and part of the joke was going to be that Holmes was gay and Watson was not, and Watson was shocked to find out that Holmes was. And they have a variation of that in this film. There's really kind of two principal storylines, but this film was originally supposed to have been a great deal longer probably closer to two and a half hours, maybe longer. And some of the sequences were shot. In fact, most of them were shot, but not added. And some of them are available as special features in the DVD, but none of them are complete. Some of them are audio survives, and then there's some like production stills. And We should have watched a few of those. Some of them are just the footage, but the audio doesn't exist anymore. Huh. So there was going to be more to the opening, so the, the framing device of the story is that 20 years after, Sherlock, after Dr. Watson dies in 1920, per his will... Was it 20 or 50? Tw- 50, yeah, I'm sorry, 50 yeah. years. So he dies in 1920, and then in 1970, according to his will, they remove this medical bag that's been in storage at a bank, and it contains various knickknacks associated with Holmes, as well as the manuscript for several stories that he chose not to publish or make public until you know, basically all the principal participants would have been dead. Because they reflected a personal nature or they were sensitive for security and other reasons. So the original film was to have a Holmes or Watson's heir, who was a Canadian veterinarian, retrieve the documentation in 1970. And then there was going to be more of a prologue to the 19th century portion of the film, more of an epilogue at the end of the film. And three additional vignettes, including a flashback to Sherlock Holmes' college days that would deal with his uh, difficult relations with women, which I think is hinted at a little bit when he tells the story about his fiance, which was yeah. kind of a new construction, that he had been married, but his fiancée, who's the daughter of his violin instructor, had gotten influenza and passed away like a, a day before the, the wedding. Wi- the, the night, night before, before their wedding. wedding. Yeah. Which led uh, only caused Holmes to be... Uh, Holds stronger his view that women are unreliable. Yes. <laughs> and not to be trusted.
0: Died the day before the wedding. In a fairly comedic fashion. Fairly comedic. Well, it comes across as comedic, though. Kind Holmes of melancholy. doesn't
1: really mean it comedic. Yeah. So. Uh, and then the two other vignettes was one, the case of the upside-down room, and the case of, I forget that, the, the, the honeymoon murder, which would have been on a train, and they find a a corpse, which is a naked woman, who is shown quite uh a lot in in the stills that survive. The joke was that the whole time they're talking there is a naked woman in the middle of the screen, which for a 1970 release they eventually chickened out on. But yeah, it's it's a clever it's a clever enough film. It's actually surprisingly well structured. There's certain things in it that don't really come back until later in the film, including a throwaway line at the beginning about some missing dwarfs yeah. that turn out to be a relevant plot point. Which
0: I caught fairly quickly. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you, I don't know, the first time you saw that, did you catch that plot line as quickly?
1: I don't know if I did. Been long enough since you saw it? The yeah, first time. I think I've seen this two or three times in addition to tonight. And it's probably been eight, eight plus years since I saw it last.
0: Fun. Now, uh, my first comment to you. As this movie neared its end, was that this was different pacing for Billy Wilder? I have grown somewhat accustomed to the much higher tempo Billy Wilder yeah, films. Yeah. You know, kind of like uh, Witness for the Prosecution, One, Two, Three, Avante. Mm, yeah,
1: it's a sl- it's a slow build. It's, it's not, not in a hurry.
0: It's not meant as a criticism. Yeah, just I know it was noticeable. Mm. You know, knowing that this was, in fact, if I had not known this was Billy Wilder going into it, yeah. I wouldn't have picked it out as Billy, Billy Wilder because of the difference in, in pacing It and is tempo.
1: pretty leisurely paced for a Billy Wilder film. Yeah. And I think you get some more of that in some of his later films. I recall Fedora as being another kind of languidly paced film, which was his penultimate movie. Yeah, yeah I, I, I kind of liked the pacing, and I liked the, the, the structure. I wish they had committed more to the vignettes. Yeah. I think that, and, and had broken up the primary narrative, because you only really get the vignette with the opera. The the ballet at the beginning, where Holmes and Watson get the invitation. But they weave
0: that into the rest of the plot well. They do weave that in, well. yeah. Mm. You know, it almost seemed like an outlier, but they they wove it in often enough throughout the remainder of the film that it that it works quite well. Mm.
1: But the joke there is that there's this prima Russian ball- ballerina who is getting ready to retire, and she decides she wants to devote the rest of her life to raising her child, but she has to have the child, and she wants to have the child with one of the great minds of the world, and after things didn't work out with
0: Tchaikovsky. Tolstoy,
1: Tchaikovsky, and Nietzsche, they settled on Sherlock Holmes. Holmes is not interested in relations with this woman. Uh, there's a scene in which she says, uh, "Don't," or the, her translator says, do you not find her attractive? To which I ask you, do you not find her attractive? The Russian ba- ba- yeah. ballerina. Oh, she was, she was okay. She, yeah. yeah. She's kind of severe looking face. And which I wow. think was kind of the joke. Which is appropriate. Yeah. Yeah. But he doesn't want to procreate with the miss. And so he basically tells them he's gay with Watson. Yeah. And when Watson finds out, he's quite upset because he was having a jolly good time dancing with the ballerinas at the after party. Yes. Until the uh, the male ballet dancers just hear hear the word and Rotate become in. very interested in proximity to, to Watson. It's an amusing enough scene.
0: Oh, yeah. That's a fun scene. It. That was a very fun scene, and it was the pacing I would have expected from a Billy Wilder Mm -hmm. film.
1: Yeah, it gives you the impression early on that it is going to be more episodic. Yeah. But then 70% of the film is devoted to the principal storyline, which involves a woman played by the still-living French actress, Genevieve Page.
0: Very attractive. uh,
1: Very attractive, who shows up, uh, is brought to Holmes and Watson's residence because she had their address in some of her paperwork. That survived her, uh, she was pulled out of the water, and so they, and she has amnesia, and they have to. Supposedly. Supposedly. uh, And they have to kind of figure out who she is, and she says, I am from Belgium, and my husband is an engineer, and he went to England, and he hasn't returned my letters for three weeks, and I need to find out what happened to him. And apparently, someone tried to kill her for it, so there's something mysterious that they need to investigate. I was looking kind of at my watch, and it's about an hour in before they get to real sleuthing in this I actually film.
0: really enjoyed that build-up. You know, even that scene with the letter and things of that nature. That is
1: the scene I'm talking about. That 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 to me is when they're out and about, and they're all three of them together: Holmes, Watson, and Gabrielle, Genevieve Page's uh, character, are out uh, looking for her husband and they go to the address that she's been sending the letters to which is an abandoned store and they break in there to wait to see who retrieves the letter cuz they sent a letter to themselves as well they sent a
0: letter addressed to him to him but with it was blank blank yeah yeah
1: and that scene i just really love and i think part of it is because after all this build up they're finally out capering you yeah. know finally out on an adventure and it it's a good scene but i think it, the fact that it took so long to get there makes it an even better scene than yeah. it would have otherwise been.
0: Well, it maintains a sense of tension all the way through that point in the film. Mm. You know, you're you're wondering where's this going, what's happening, you know. And as soon as you see the canaries, I was like, oh, this is going to go, you know, a particular type of direction. They're mm. not they're not going to go too many places with with canaries. With canaries, yeah. You know? And and they then proceed to. Follow some clues and and end up going to well they actually they get called in to meet Mycroft who's yeah. played by Christopher Lee mm-hmm. who I, I let me rephrase that a very young Christopher Lee who I did not recognize through the duration yeah. of the film, and it was only when I pulled up the IMDb that I realized it was Christopher Lee I knew he was very familiar you mm-hmm. know Christopher Lee's voices you mm-hmm. know but it's been long enough since I've seen a Christopher Lee Christopher Lee film that it it didn't pop out immediately to yeah. me. Which also happened to me, I believe it was with the. Isn't he in the Hammer film Mummy?
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. The same thing happened to me in that film. I was like, wait a minute. If you're trying
1: to guess whether or not he was in a Hammer film, he probably was. Yeah. yeah. He did an awful lot of Hammer films. Yeah, And he also played Sherlock Holmes. Yeah. One time. He was one of the few actors to play both Mycroft and Sherlock Holmes. And he played Sherlock Holmes in a 1962 film, which I am pretty sure would have been made for Hammer, which I think was essentially under contract with the time called sherlock holmes and the deadly necklace yeah which i kind of want to see
0: well but they get called to meet with mycroft so uh,
1: because of the letter yes so when they go to pick up the letter they find that the residence uh, the address is a, a shop that has a bunch of canaries in it even though it's closed and there's a lady in a wheelchair that comes periodically to feed the canaries and to pick up the the mail and eventually the when she leaves, she leaves the letter for some reason. And it's on top of the birdcage. The letter is addressed to Sherlock Holmes from Mycroft, because Mycroft knows what's yeah. going on. And it says, come meet me at the Diogenes Club. Uh, and they go to meet him, and he says, stay away from this one, Sherlock. And, of course, that's an invitation for Sherlock to continue the investigation. Who picks up enough
0: clues from an overheard conversation with a porter to figure out where they're that they they need to go to scotland
1: i was going to mention very briefly uh since you mentioned a porter this little kind of extra piece of business when they enter the diogenes club and the reception guy is missing his right arm it's not mentioned i one assumes that a lot of the people at this club or employed by this club would be ex-military but I just like that it's there with no explanation. It yeah. just kind of enriches the environment. And another thing that enriches this, and what I noticed in one of the reviews, is Baker Street. Baker Street is a beautiful long set. Yeah. And it's very elaborate, and it's very well maintained in terms of the carriages and the people walking around. Because this It's was, fun to see.
0: Because this was filmed at a studio, it makes me wonder what else they were shooting on that street. Yeah. Because they didn't build that just for this. No,
1: that's Pinewood, and, and it's... Uh, what's well, a Victorian British street and it would not surprise me I don't know this for sure if this would have been in another film to come out in 1970 Scrooge yeah uh, it's mm-hmm. a musical version of a Christmas Carol with uh, Albert Finney
0: well I think that you're probably right because there is later on there's the shot with the same scene re- it's... redecorated and with the snow on it mm. I don't know if you caught it with the I same did street, that, yeah but yeah
1: so that could very well be related yeah
0: but yeah, so they proceed to Scotland, where they make a reference to a line that came in very early in the film about uh, six midget brothers, acrobat midget brothers. This and was, a, was case a case that,
1: that Holmes turned down yeah, to find these the missing acrobats. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and how he's like, well, I already know what happened. The guy only offered to pay me five pounds. That's less than a pound of midget. So obviously he's a cheapskate, and that the acrobats left to join a more uh, profitable circus.
0: Which was very entertaining, you know, and it was entertaining. And it seemed like a throwaway line, and
1: to to loop it around, yeah,
0: yeah. But the midgets, uh, two of them, have been killed along with Mister Valadon, Jimmy Page's husband, and they're uh, being buried. You know, and they observe them being buried, and they trace them back to a castle. You know, and they take lodgings under assumed names. Well, their whole trip has been done under Mm. assumed names. And, With uh,
1: Watson playing the ballet, yep. and Holmes and Genevieve being a Mr. couple. Mr. and Mrs. Ashdown. Ashdown. Yes.
0: Yeah. And they attempt to continue to investigate this. Watson is convinced that he has seen the Loch Ness Monster, which is part of the plot. Mm-hmm. And they are shoot away from a castle that they're attempting to investigate. And then turned around, and Holmes is summoned back to the castle by none less than Mycroft. Uh, yes,
1: and Mycroft gives us our explanation about what's up which is that they are testing a submarine, uh, and they've disguised that submarine with a monster, basically the, lo- the Loch Ness monster, yeah. that big dinosaur head. Funny story about said submarine. So it's obvious in this film that some of those scenes when they're out on the lock in the boat was filmed in a studio, uh-huh. but some of it was actually filmed on the lock and really? they, they actually did build a mechanical Loch Ness monster and they sunk it and it was found about 2 or 3 years ago. Oh yeah. I remember I think it's on my Facebook uh wall history. But they found it and and when they found it, the people that found it it's like what what the hell? <laughs> because it's a it's a it's a Loch Ness monster. But yeah, it sunk and was on the bottom of Loch Ness for close to 50 years. Wow. that was pretty awesome. Which uh, mirrors the fate of the uh the Loch Ness Monster submarine in the film.
0: Well, uh, we, we before that, we find out that Miss Valadon is not who she claims to be, that she's actually a German spy.
1: And they do drop hints. Yeah,
0: but it's, that's those clues have been dropped since the time she appeared at 221B Baker Street at the very, you know, early mm. on in the film. She's been signaling throughout the film. With her
1: para- parasol.
0: Yep, and we find out that she's a spy and has been signaling to her counterparts, you know, so on and so forth. So Holmes gives an artificial signal and they are lured into the submarine find a curiously insufficiently guarded yeah, uh, very uh, submarine, easy to get. which is already running and all they have to do as experienced sailors is climb in and sail away in it but it's it's been uh,
1: it's a trap ist you
0: know, basically and and they are sunk
1: yeah cuz the uh the bad guys the Germans are uh, posing as trappist monks yeah So that they can wear hoods and don't have to talk and reveal their accents. Yeah.
0: But Miss Valadon is
1: taken into custody by
0: Mycroft, which leads to the end of the film where Holmes is notified that Miss Valadon has taken her posting to Japan, which she was the posting she was going to take before this -hmm. this posting, and has been living in Japan for some period of time. Under the, the assumed name Mrs. Ashdown.
1: Yes, so Mycroft lets him know that he has received reports that she was executed. She was by discovered the Japanese. And, and summarily
0: executed. Yeah. At which point Watson willingly provides Holmes with his five percent
1: solution, yeah. which and is he, the joke. Yeah. That seven uh, percent. It's like, oh, it's five percent, Watson. I know you've been watering it down for uh, for some for, time. Some now. time. I like the use of it, and I and it has a very different take on it from the 7% solution in which it's crippling Holmes in that film. Whereas in this film, he's, he has those melancholy well, periods where it's it takes crippling it. him until he gets the case. Yeah. Well, yeah. in, in, in the 7% solution, yeah, uh, he's basically going to kill him. Whereas he, he is more under, more in control of it in this film. Another thing, well, but
0: that's just a phase through the stories at, yeah. at various times in the stories. He's in varying degrees of control of his addiction. Yeah. yeah. So. But it just
1: doesn't seem as serious to me, obviously, in, in this version, as yeah. opposed to in, in the 7% solution. One other thing that I kind of like about this film, and it's heavy and in, in, in early in the film and less throughout, where they talk about, and and they do reference it after that, about how Watson embellishes things about Holmes. And it's like, you saddled me with this ridiculous outfit that now I have to wear the stocking cap everywhere because everybody expects it of me. You got me people thinking I'm this virtuoso violinist where I'm only okay, and I'd have a hard time in he a community says orchestra. That he would
0: have trouble making it as a second rate violinist
1: in the communi- community community yeah. orchestra. Yeah. And you make me look like I'm this drug fiend, whereas I'm only an occasional user. And I just I liked it because it was just a little different. Yeah,
0: yeah, it was interesting. They do imply at one point. More seriousness to the addiction, like the first time that he goes to get his five percent solution, the shakes, are, mm. are Im- or okay. Im- people who are familiar with an, with addiction would, would recognize the shakes, mm. you know, and things of that nature. So yeah,
1: but I, I I'm quite fond of it. It's 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 enjoyable. I, I I I like the pacing. I like the leisurely pace of it. It's fun. I would oh, yeah. even argue that it is the funnest of the Sherlock Holmes films that we've watched this month.
0: I don't think I could disagree with you but I'm not 100% positive off the top of my head that I would fully agree with you. My primary critique of this film, or let me rephrase that, my primary criticism of this film is the same as my primary criticism of all of the films we watched this month. Okay. Sherlock Holmes begs to be episodic in nature. Okay. And it's hard to encapsulate a good Sherlock Holmes in an individual movie.
1: If you could choose any of the actors who played Holmes in any of the films that we saw and cast them in a more episodic, say, TV version, who would you cast? And I I know right off that mine would be Robert Stevens from this film. I just think he has that – there's a casualness in his performance that it feels like this is – you're just seeing a glimpse and that there's other adventures and he just feels like he'd be a natural fit in an episodic rendition of Sherlock Holmes.
0: Yeah, I, I, I can't disagree with you. The only reason that I might say anything different is that with like a Robert Downey Jr., you benefit from the technology and imagery that can be created today that couldn't have been created, you know, back in the mm-hmm. 1970s. That would be the only reason why I might pick someone else.
1: Mm-hmm. So should we talk about final thoughts and ratings on this film?
0: Yeah, Absolutely. Well, how would you rate this film?
1: Oh, this film, it'd be hard to really give it more than three stars, but it's very solid three stars.
0: I'm sitting right around two and a half on the Mm -hmm. four-star scale and probably about a seven on the ten-star scale. Yeah,
1: I'd give it probably about a seven on the ten-star scale.
0: How do you think it fares in in reviews online? I have not looked at this before asking you this question. I am unsure. Actually, and again, I did not look at this ahead of time, Mm -hmm. 7.1 stars on IMDb. Indeed. So, and I
1: believe critically, it was pretty well received. I want to say it has around an eighty-five uh, percent Rotten, rotten Tomato score.
0: Do you know? Do you recall what this was rated? Oh, PG thirteen,
1: mm-hmm.
0: appropriate rating. Yeah, this is this would be a good if you had say a younger audience who is interested in Sherlock Holmes. This would be a good and decent introduction to, mm-hmm. to Sherlock Holmes. Yeah. It, it would, Easily hold them and want leave them wanting more. It held my
1: interest. Oh yeah, it did a, a good job of, of holding the interest throughout. Oh yeah, absolutely. Even even when it wasn't, you know, as we mentioned before, there's not a big clip to its pace. It's still interesting. Did we want to comment really about any of the performances?
0: Well, I mean, your titled performances: Robert Stevens, Colin Blakely, Genevieve Page.
1: They're all they got really a really great good, performances. good chemistry together. Oh yeah, they work really well together, and it's it's fun to have Christopher Lee in it. Well, and Genevieve Page sells the double agent very well. So Genevieve Page in this film or Vanessa Redgrave in The 7% Solution? Who do you prefer? Genevieve Page. Uh, Vanessa Redgrave. Close, though. Yeah. In fact, we should probably segue into ranking the films. These last two that we watched were pretty darn close for me. So in ascending order, I think the last... Last place would have to be the Robert Downey Jr. Sherlock Holmes, which I didn't enjoy at all. I'm not surprised by that. And then we'd do the Basil Rathbones. I preferred the second film, Terror by Night, to Sherlock Holmes and the Secret Weapon, the first of the two we watched. And then it is razor close between The Private Life of Sherlock Holmes and The 7% Solution. I think I enjoyed and kind of liked watching this film more. But I think the seven percent solution is smarter and I respect it more. So if I had to choose the best, I would it would narrowly go to the seven percent solution. Based largely on Alan Arkin's Sigmund Freud, which makes <laughs> that film me. <funny. laughs>
0: That's true. I, I'd kind of let that slip a little bit in, in my esteem of it. I would agree I would actually say that the private life of Sherlock Holmes might arguably be the best of the four. Oh, okay. I probably would bump the Robert Downey Jr., Sherlock Holmes, just ahead of the Basil Rathbone. Right. Though really close, it's, it's almost more like a tie because the Basil mm. Rathbones are good and they are more episodic in nature. Mm. It is more exactly what I was looking for out of a Sherlock Holmes. They were both entertaining. Yeah. It's, and it's and been where, a solid where, month.
1: Where would you put
0: the 7% solution? Second. Second. Oh, okay. Yeah. That would that would be in second place. So mm-hmm. the, the only question is is who's third and who's fourth. Yeah. Or do you call third a tie, which is kind of cop out. Mm-hmm. So I've tried to avoid doing that. But yeah.
1: But there's a lot out there in Sherlock Holmes. We've considered doing it with this Robin This is actually Hood. one of the
0: strongest, stronger months we've had in, in a mm-hmm. couple months.
1: We've considered revisiting Robin Hood, but we've more strongly considered revisiting Sherlock Holmes. Yeah. In uh, probably sometime next I year, I think we could
0: probably do both, but I think we should spread them out and do yeah. one in twenty twenty one, one in twenty twenty two.
1: Because I think it would be really fun to come back and revisit, and just to kind of search for maybe even see that Christopher Lee version. Just search for like obscure versions of Sherlock Holmes, yeah, and see what they have to offer.
0: Well, if we come back to it, then we have we're going to have to throw in a couple episodes of the uh, Benedict Cumberbatch. Mm. You know, yeah. Hey,
1: yeah. yeah, we might as well do a season. Well, a season I mean, would take a like while. Six episodes,
0: yeah, but they're longer. Oh, okay, longer episodes. So to do it in an evening, we'd have to try and narrow it down to two, maybe three, and mm-hmm. e- even then, it'd be a, l- a long evening. Mm-hmm. So maybe we could do it on a weekend and do a or, season, or
1: we could watch them separately. Yeah,
0: and yeah. come back and. Well, didn't you go to the theaters with me to catch one of the yeah ben- the Benedict, Benedict and Sh- you Sherlock know, specials That's
1: the only one I've seen in its entirety. Oh.
0: Aren't you getting access to Netflix
1: streaming soon? Think so. I should. If you do, then they're all on there, and you should watch them. Mm. Well, we had a fun time with Sherlock Holmes month. These things tend to get posted out of order, but our plan for next month, being October, be a number of Halloween. Our October episodes
0: likely will come out before
1: the Sherlock Holmes. Mm.
0: For the most part, they come out in order. There's only a few that go real out of order, but the October in particular will be out of order this year.
1: Well, until we record again.
0: I'm Rob, and I'm Nate. And this has been Robin Nate. Record a podcast.
1: Rudebega. Good morning, Mr. and Mrs. American. All the ships at sea. Dateline, New York. Mayor LaGuardia is in a pickle with a showgirl. <laughs> That's as far as I got.